As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? All right, what's up, Luisa? Hello, Road Jake. How's it going? I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, I'm in a hotel room. Uh, like I was just explaining off bike, we do this shit where like I guess the off day you like. Lucy misses you. She wanted to say hi. Oh, hello, Lucy. Oh, oh she's so going? cute. We do this thing where like the the tour bus parks in like a like a hotel like we get one hotel room but it's like for people to go up and record their very we some of us have podcasts like yeah. multiple people or like take a shower or whatever just do all your business your private business yeah but it's like weird because it's like you know okay i'm done now you can go use it or whatever it's like this bizarre form of um and honestly you know what i don't mind it because i really like sleeping on the bus it's like well and i mean some people are out of the bus right so then it yeah. reduces the noise too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. We like hang out. In the How many people lot. are on the bus? There's like oh. uh, all three of you six, me, and then like a couple of like tech, like roadies and stuff, and like the merch person. Mm-hmm. So there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven ish of us. Okay. And there's enough beds for all of you? Yeah. So it's really funny because like. Whoa! Cool. <clears throat> The way tour buses work, I didn't know any of this shit. Obviously, I don't fucking tour tour buses. I've never been on a tour bus. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> before, yeah, tell before, me about it. Um, is like, uh, so you go into the bus and then there's like a little like first area with couches and like a TV and like refrigerator and stuff like that and like a sink. And then the second area, it's all like these bunks. So like, you pick one. I'm like top left, and then like you know they're like shelves that you just sort of like you know, get in and then like you, pull <laughs> you, a your, you stock yourself. <laughs> Have you ever seen those? Like remember uh, when you would hear about like the, these cells in Japan that you could just like rent like a micro yeah. hotel. It's kind of like that. There's like an outlet in it. And, yeah, no. Like, and we've all seen like uh rock documentaries and shit like that. So like I get the, Oh, and also I've seen a uh, real world rules challenge <laughs> right. back in the day when it was like, they would travel on a bus like that. So it's like, yeah, I get it. Like a little cap- side capsule, and then you like draw a little curtain. Yeah, but it's really funny because one of the guys in the band, uh, the guitarist V Six, is like the man. He's also the like tour manager, you know? Because like, yeah. you know, like you do something like music or something. We like all enough. do many jobs. You yeah. also pick up like industry jobs and stuff like that. Like honestly, yeah. honestly, I'm kind of thinking like of just because like the money is cool and I like living like this. Like thinking like even if I'm not like performing of just like bugging these people at some point and going like, can I just like go sell merch for somebody or some shit? Cause it's just yeah. kind of a cool gig. Um, but like, so it's funny cause like the guy who's managing though, who's like, you know, kind of de facto in charge of everything. So after the bunks, there's his room and his room is just straight up. Like it looks like a, an entire, he has the entire back of the bus. It's like a hotel room in there with like a full mm-hmm. bed and shit. So it's just very funny because yeah. it looks like, um, snow piercer or something where like yeah. the, the class thing changes through the bus, yeah. you know? And it's like, there's like a nice room in the back and these like weird little coffin things. But, uh, but I, but I love sleeping in the fucking coffin thing. It's great. Cause it's like sensory <laughs> deprivation or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the life I'm living right now. And, uh, yeah, man. Uh, since the last time I talked to you, I feel like it's kind of interesting to look at it on a timeline, but I, I think I really cracked the code of like how to do these sets like the other night. 
And like okay. now I've got it. Like I don't even. It's like compl- I got like a set list down or whatever because I know what's gonna work like in this specific situation. Yeah. And uh, it's it's interesting, and I always it's always funny because this happens kind of every tour because every tour just like has a different vibe depending on who you're you know performing with or whatever. But I always think about this like you know four days into a tour where I'm like man. I feel bad for the first city, you know, because <laughs> they, like, <laughs> they like, like, I almost wish I could go back to Austin at the end of this and be yeah. like, and here's the product of all of this uh, to show them how good I got at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but that's what I think. Like, uh, I just did the, another show where I just shed on comedy fans a lot. And I'm sorry, I'll do it again in relation to this, because it kind of does annoy me that I think uh, comedy fans are bad fans, Jake. Like they don't, I guess, put in the effort that music fans do, you know, Uh, like music fans intimidate me a little bit because music fans are people who usually early on, they were like, well, I have figured out what I like in the mainstream. So I'm going to dig deeper to find specifically the one thing I like. And then they like discover newer things and they're proud of the fact that they know about underground and like lesser known things. And comedy fans are not like that, dude. They don't understand the process and they're not proud of the fact of like you know like i hear music fans be like oh i saw this band in a small room (laughs) you know things like that and i'm like you know when you said this thing about like oh i wish i could go back and do a better job for austin so new york city i think a lot of people think of like especially for bands and shit it's a place that like people come to do their a right it's like a big fucking this is our biggest stage but for comedy kind of works the other way for with the fact that like a lot of the comics that live here, they do the shit that they're going to build up to be their A around here. So like even when they start tours, you know, yeah. they do first a few shows here and then they go tours. So it means that they're giving New York City what you gave Austin, right? <laughs> the thing that they haven't like right, they haven't yeah, put it all yeah. together yet. And I could see being like a fan and being like, oh, well, that wasn't great. But I think that's stupid and shitty because you don't understand the point in the process that you're watching. Right, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you're not aware that I am seeing like a jazz musician figure out. I saw some shit in a documentary earlier this week that was like a great, I think it was a Miles Davis quote, music fans. I'm so sorry. Please correct me if it's not Miles Davis, but Miles Davis, I think said, uh, when you play the wrong note, that's not the note that matters. The note that matters is the note that follows. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So to me, when you see uh, an artist play a note that doesn't quite play, it's not a matter of like, Oh, they're bad. It's like, let me see what your next note is. Right. And I just feel like comedy fans don't, care to give that level of nuance and attention to their yeah. supposed love of comedy comedy fans i feel like are proudly like misled and like kind of deceived because yeah. like a comedy performance is a trick you know in that it's implying that the person Ugh, is saying totally. all the stuff for the first time but we all know that it's planned spontaneity and it's like planned uh, you know, if someone's really good at it, it means they practice a bunch of it to trick the rest yeah. of the audience into thinking like, oh, this guy just talks like this. But like yeah. comedy fans are like, so they get pleasure, I think, you know, from like the fucking experience of watching it. And they like just are, I, they're like 
it's weird they're like proudly like yeah i love watching this and being tricked and like not knowing how it works you or know, it's like magic right like watching magic or something where they kind of like uh, i think what comedy fans often like is like what they consider to be the spontaneity of their laughter their yeah. own laughter but they don't realize that that spontaneity is manufactured by the person on stage well you know, they I- know you will laugh at this point yeah you know yeah. So it's like not spontaneous to them. It's spontaneous to you because you don't fucking know how this art form works. You know, what, <laughs> you know like you know what it really reminds me of, honestly, yeah. is like uh kids that are into pro wrestling that don't know it's fake, you know? And like <laughs> really Yeah, think and they're like, like oh, <laughs> he just slammed him over the fucking third rope or whatever the fuck. And it's yeah. like uh and they have they like, practice that. All the same like <laughs> ongoing, like, did you know what the Undertaker did to Hulk Hogan or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I think it's all real because like I did uh I was thinking about this speaking of road rules, uh <laughs> because I was I've been talking to people randomly and like it sucks. Like it's such a bummer. Like I love comedy, but it's a niche art form, you know, and very rarely do I meet somebody who I think really gets it. And most people, even at like these weirdo bars, like I was at a real weird bar in Houston called Super Happy Funland. It's like a punk space and it's all full of weird sculptures and stuff. It's like an art freaky warehousing. It's one of the coolest places in the country. Shows there are all dog shit just because like, I don't know, it's like no one knows about it, but it's a great venue. If anyone's ever in Houston, you should check it out. See a punk show there. Um, I've done horrible comedy shows there, but but I was talking to (laughs) there and i was expecting them like they were like oh you're the comic from the show you know and they started talking to me about comedy and i was expecting them to be into like eric andre or something weird like that but they just started yeah some fucking freak with like gauges in her ears and shit was like oh i love the store do you love joey coco diaz and all this stuff and i'm Ah! me so i started explaining like (laughs) why it's all bullshit or whatever but they just like it's all they know, like the the stuff like the comedy store has like successfully filled in people's minds, in comedy fans' minds, like the yeah. entirety of comedy. Like they literally are like, we are we sell com- we are the entire game of comedy. So like, it's not which it's not do you like the comedy store? It's which comedian store comedy store comic do you like? I think is kind of how they've created this like realism that a lot of these people live in. And like uh, one of them. So another thing that happened is that the other night, fucking in uh, Louisville. This guy, after the, I went outside to smoke a cigarette because I had, like lost my cigarettes or something, and I like bummed. How one did off. that show go? I saw that you tweeted that you thought this would be the one you would get beat up at. Did you get beat up? No, it was really good. <laughs> no, no, no. I had to figure the show out. Show went well though. Yeah, I had to figure out how to get them okay. because they were like kind of like this weird like sleepy audience because I, I they're all hillbillies around what the fuck, but like uh, <laughs> he means that in a nice way. Okay, go on. It's weird because like a lot of these fucking crowds have been like yelling at me, but like in Louisville they were just all like. Like they weren't laughing as much as I wanted it to, but they weren't like angry. Like they were like into it, and then I just got them. Like I figured, I fucking figured out how to get these people. Like, oh, I, like one of the things is just like slowly cranking up the dirty shit until like the end, and then I just tell a story about come, and like it, it's enough to to not lose people, but like. Um, but anyway, I'll get back to that. But but this thing. No, happened. I just love that we're gonna get. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this thing you just said. I uh, figured out how to get him. But anyway, continue, continue. Well, I bummed a cigarette off this guy, and mm-hmm. he he was real nice about it. He was like, "Here, have two, you know." And then I was like smoking, and he was like, "You know, are you here for the show or whatever?" Anyway, we figured out. I was like, "Oh, I'm on the show upstairs," and he was like, "Oh, I'm on the show downstairs." He was like on the other oh, stage. Yeah. And he was a singer-songwriter, and I was talking to him about that and doing the whole, like, oh, comedy's a lot like music, you know, conversations mm-hmm. have a million times. And uh, eventually he was like, oh, comedy, yeah, you might know this one comic I know. He's really funny. 
his name's Theo Vaughn. <laughs> and I was like, ugh, like, goddamn. <laughs> I had to, like, slowly figure out, like, how to not let this guy know who I am and stuff. Because he back pulls away. out his phone and, like, looks me up. It's going to see me tweeting probably mean shit about, like, Theo Vaughn, you know? Yeah. And But I was thinking about that because literally, like, the fucking next day, I was looking at Twitter and uh, Brian from Street Fight, he, like, collects um, horrible right-wing chuds and DJs and stuff and does podcasts yeah. about them, you know? And he was tweeting about Theo Vaughn, and he fucking tweeted this thing out. And it was, like, the newest episode of Theo Vaughn's podcast is him interviewing a fucking Border Patrol agent, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. So having to deal with the fact that all comedy Ugh. fans are, like, they think the comedy store is the only thing. They have, they exist within, like, a realism there. Yeah. And then that's what the comedy store or is. Or here's, here's the seller. Yeah. Or honestly, that other, you know, it used to be Anthony and Kumia, and then, uh, or what is it? Opie and Anthony. There we go. Uh, and then their predecessors, no, their, uh, I don't know, inheritors, I guess, followed up. We don't need to name them by name. Um, but man, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know what? While you were talking, something that I thought of is that it honestly seems to me like, Comedy, stand-up comedy, which I think is like maybe the most accessible art form out there, right? Because you don't need money to buy materials. You can do this literally if you just have the time to go do mm -hmm. open mics, right? Yeah. So time is the one resource you really need to do to do stand-up. So I, I would argue that it is the most democratic form of art. Right. Uh -huh. And yet. From the fan standpoint, stand up comedy is on the level of visual art in terms of how much we depend on gatekeepers and are OK depending on gatekeepers. Yeah. Like we are willing to be like, yes, whatever MoMA says is art is art. And whatever the, the comedy store says is comedy is comedy. And we don't question that and we don't go beyond that. You know what I mean? Um, and then from the artist side, there's a similar sort of capitulation of like an industry side of like, yeah, what they say goes. I am willing to be like, if I'm an artist, yeah, I might have this like contrary to society and hegemonic, whatever the fuck shit in my art. But the moment MoMA comes calling, <laughs> you're like, yes, I absolutely want MoMA. And I think stand-ups also do the same thing where yeah. they're like, I'm so fucking, I'm an edgelord, I'm pushing boundaries and that's what get, gets you street cred and followers and people. And then as soon as Comedy Central or some other fucking thing comes and it's like, oh, but you have to be clean. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. <laughs> and you can't talk about X, Y, and Z because those are our sponsors. Okay, no problem, I can do that. And um, I really think that's something we need to fucking be talking more about. Like, why is the most accessible and most democratic form of art or because visual arts is also that dude like when you think about somebody like uh what's his face you know what i mean dreads black fuck madonna <laughs> sorry uh, i've already smoked several joints today fuck uh, madonna. Interesting. Uh, no you know what i'm talking about is it artist? Uh, basquiat i was gonna say okay. basquiat but i yeah. want to be wrong and then basquiat uh so basquiat and other and there were others in his of his ilk that did um 
they painted on like raw materials that they could find, right? Like yeah. they couldn't find, they couldn't afford to buy canvases or like good paints. So they made their own paints. A lot of the color choices on their shit is because those were the paints they could get friends to give them, you know, not because they actually chose the colors. Um, they painted on things like doors, <laughs> you know, like uh, just like pieces of driftwood on those like pallets, those wooden pallets that they stack shit on. Yeah. Because they didn't have access to all the materials that cost money. So I would argue that visual arts has uh, forms in which it is almost as accessible as stand-up. Yeah, like graffiti but, and shit. Yeah, exactly. But graffiti also, you have to steal the, the fucking paint. That's why they're in cages, Jake. Yeah, if you go to every art place, yeah, that's why it's in cages. Is because it's poor artists trying to steal it so they can do their art. So visual art does still require a monetary ability or breaking the law to get it or going on this like whatever I can find for free version, right? Yeah. And stand up fucking doesn't, dude. You can get a microphone and stand on a corner like a crazy person yelling about the fucking the white devil or whatever. Well, I live in Crown Heights. It happens all the time. <laughs> I always tell people like it's crazy that we let these people yeah. have a monopoly on a fucking mic and a bar stool because it's like mm-hmm. that you can buy it for a fucking hundred bucks easy. But like it's not really that, is it? It's like the fucking Rolodex and the the gatekeeping yeah. and stuff like that. The it's context, one of those things that like this totally. fucking industry like probably shouldn't exist. Like with all the technology we have now, it's just a holdover of power from yeah. the previous era. But that's exactly like how capitalism works, right? That's how when people you know, there's a myth in capitalism that like Elon Musk made all his money and we all know he inherited it. That's how most yeah. rich people work or whatever. Like I, but what's interesting to me, I guess, is like what you're saying is true. Like technically because there's such a low overhead and low cost of entry, this should be an art form that functions democratically. But the fact that it doesn't, in all the ways that it doesn't, show you, like, it makes the image more stark. It shows you how, like, the superstructure of capitalism imposes itself on all these other art forms. It's doing this in those art forms, too, in all these ways. But, like, even if you were to strip away all the barriers to entry to something... Stand-up comedy is a great example of it. It's still going to impose itself. It it's still, still going absolutely. to fucking push out dissenters and stuff like that. And people that fucking talk back to the boss and stuff like that, you know? Totally. And I think, you know, uh, you just got it something good, which is like, uh, I think something we have to remember maybe is that, or maybe why I think this is happening is because uh, capitalism does want stand-up. Okay. And so like as a person who works in media and shit, uh, besides reality TV, Stand-up comedy is the most profitable type of content for media companies to create, okay? Mm. Because when it comes to reality TV and stand-up, the costs, the overhead costs are very low. They are not paying famous people. They are paying usually for like one set, <laughs> you know, like one, it could be a it's a short-form taping situation. Um the contracts are usually very pro the media company, right? Because it, again, it deals with non-famous people. Um, so they're the cheapest version of reproducible content that they can create. And I need you to understand this in a way that like, even for live comedy, you know, in New York, people will be like, oh, you know, can I get a show on a weekend? Can, do you think I could start a show on this night? And it's like, we all like need to accept that Every venue, like let's say if you think of New York City or even L.A. as like havens for stand up comedy, I'm here to tell you that the venues in New York City and L.A. consider stand up comedy their uh, last resort 
stepchild that they <laughs> don't love and don't depend on to help them, right? Yeah. So what happens is that any venue that even book stand-up started first with music and trivia and fucking like everything, like cult meeting, <laughs> you know, like everything else to see what would work. And then they're willing to be like, yeah, you could have a Tuesday or a Wednesday or maybe a Thursday on the off season, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, no, comedy's the last thing a bar sees before it dies. Exactly, exactly. And it's, um, and I, I don't know of another art form that is so clearly picked up and thrown away for the purposes of profit whenever capitalists feel like it whether it's a late night show taping 12 stand-up sets in a row one night so that they can use your fucking five minute precious set that you worked really hard on to just be b-roll filler for a night that they go long on the second guest you know what I mean like uh all the way to yeah just this it's it's bad it's a because capitalism has found a value in stand-up as a cheap to reproduce form of content, then it puts all comics in this like competitive structure with each other to try to get that thing. But it's a thing that doesn't appreciate your lead to anything <laughs> or like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think like it's mismatches with the yeah. the view that comics have in their heads of like, they think, when you get hired, it's like because you're being appreciated for all this like hard work and stuff and that you like competed and climbed your way to the top of the fucking dojo or whatever. And in reality, yeah. it's because like a musician canceled or something and like, you know, they know that there's like this, yeah. um, you know, like they talk about in like Marxist shit, like in Capital, he talks about the um, the surplus uh, population. Like, mm -hmm. you know, for capitalism to function, you need a bunch of unemployed people who like are willing to be like, pick me, pick yeah. me, I need to work or whatever. And like, absolutely, just kind of like a, that going on with comedians having this. Because like, that keeps wages down. Yeah. Clear. Yeah, so totally. Same thing with comedians. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, we just like let them take advantage of us, you know, because we all want the fucking spotlight so bad or whatever. Well, okay. So I do want you, whenever you're off of um, tour to watch Creep and Creep 2, I had people DM me and email me being like, let me be the person <laughs> to talk about grief and grief too. And I'm like, no, it's just a me and Jake conversation. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you have to watch it. Very important uh, because it connects to this, but I also kind of want to talk to you about two things. Um, one is the most recent Ali Wong special. You didn't get a chance to watch it, right? No, no. Very little like access to watching stuff. <laughs> That's okay. Stuff. I can tell you because this is uh, something that actually hits real close to home for me. Uh, and then did you read, did you happen to catch that article that was about radical monogamy? Was it like the one that just came out in Jacobin? Yeah, dude. No, yeah, yeah I think so. Was it in Jacobin? Well, there was it one was, in Jacobin. It was in a fairly respectable publication. The problem is when you texted me and you were like, I want to talk about this. I was like, I don't know yeah. which one because this keeps oh, fucking no. happening. It's like there's one every week. Well, we're going to talk about the concept entirely is the point. But totally. I would like to start with comedy because everything in, starts and ends with comedy for us, I think. Right? No? Okay. Yeah. Um, Rhizome. Yeah. So Ali Wong. Oh, man. So this is going to be something that might get people to hate me. You know, it's fine. I get a lot of, <laughs> can I tell you something? I get a lot of like, really love the show. Don't always agree with you. Yeah, right, <laughs> and like, okay, you didn't have to add that second part. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. 
I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you before. I think maybe personally I did. I don't know if I did on the show, but Ali Wong is one of the comics that I remember as like offending me to my core. Ignore this. Recording in progress. I was recording the whole time. I'm just getting a double track. Were you? <laughs> yeah, like just starting my recording now. No, 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 I got the rest of it. I just, I want to get a double track. I just realized I didn't record the second thing. Okay. Well, uh, Keep Keep yeah, going. like she was, okay. I, I would say that in general, I don't really get offended by comedy. You know what I mean? Like the worst it gets for me is to be like, oh, that just wasn't a good joke. Like, I don't think this is funny. I don't know why people are laughing. That kind of thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I went and I think it was like 2010 to see uh, John Oliver's New York stand-up be taped. You remember that show on Comedy Central? Yeah. So I went uh, for a couple of episodes and I want to say that Ali was on the episode with like Mark Norman and Nick Turner. I don't know, but it was the first time that I had seen her live and I left there pretty much hating her, Jake. <laughs> like I was like, oh, <laughs> like I'm so grossed out by your jokes and like everybody loved it. OK, so this is not me objectively saying she's not funny. This is me subjectively saying it annoyed the fuck out of me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, today, oh, so I guess let me start with why it offended me, right? In 2010 ish, right? When it was- <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh my God. Hold on. <laughs> okay. That sounded you crazy. You don't understand what a, how, how high moment it is. Lucy just jumped. <laughs> Yo, this bitch. Oh, my gosh. She just jumped off my lap and knocked over the weed tray and knocked my weed everywhere. My pre-ground weed that was ready to be smoked after this fucking show. Oh, Lucy, you fucker. God damn it. She also killed my favorite plant. But you know what? It's fine. It's fine. At least I don't have children. I sound like Ali Wong now. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, in 2010, I think, approximately, Google it, people figure it out. I don't know. When I saw her, what offended me, Jake, was that the bit that she was doing at the time was a bit where she had just gotten engaged to her now husband, right? And she had been, uh, today in the special that I watched, I guess she said she had been with him for like seven years before they got married. Yeah. And she's the one that pressured him into getting married. And so in 2010, I'm watching her do a stand-up set, and the set is about the fact that she's got like a big time in engagement ring, Right. And she like turns to the audience and she's like, look at this ring, though. And she just goes off into this whole bit where she's like, I mean, and I'm sure you could Google this clip where she's like, uh, you know, women love diamonds. We love this. Any woman that tells you that she doesn't want to get married and that she doesn't want this ring is lying to you. And I, to I hate we comedy. Just the word we fucking yes, sucks. Yes, bro. Oh, Sorry, sorry to get super Miami on you, but that's what fucking pissed me off is that I'm willing to respect that this is what you wanted, but it makes me so annoyed that you're standing on stage, dude, as a woman with the spotlight on you and being like, um, I guess, like discrediting any woman who has ever said that she doesn't want what you want. And it's like, you don't need to discredit the women who don't want what you want in order to be happy with what you want. So now let's think about why do you feel like you need to discredit the people who don't want what you want in order to be happy with what you want? Okay, because I think this is like the crux of the matter with trads (laughs) in general, but also in the most common denominator factor of like comedy pursuits, right? Yeah. 
of like blindly pursuing something that you think you must have, whether it's like all the half hours or the late night sets and whatever, but is it really something you want or is it something you always I don't know. It's fine. So flash forward to, I guess, 12, 14 years later. I don't know. 12. Yeah. About 12 years later. Ali's new special is um, actually very funny. You know, I am not saying again that she's not a good comic. She is definitely a good comic. And partially why she is a good comic is because of this comment you made earlier, Jake, of like, I figured out how to get them. Yeah. Right. That's why Ali's a good comic. She has figured out how to get her audience. But the way that she gets them is to appeal to a very common, traditional sort of like thinking, right? And then to end up at a point where she generalizes to justify that everybody must want what she wants and what, quote, we want in order to make it like how to explain. Okay. Sorry, let me try again. Her entire comedy in the decade plus that I have been watching it is this thing where she does the reflexive trad thing of if I am unhappy or anxious about X, right? Yeah. But I can confirm that the majority of us are unhappy or anxious about X. Then that means it's actually totally normal to be unhappy or anxious about X. And therefore, yeah. we don't need to fucking question it further because we're fucking normal, Jake. Fucking sucks, but it's so true. I mean, people think like this. But that's the fucking logic that they're doing. And I'm like, yeah. I want to slap myself in the face watching this shit because I'm like, yeah, okay, I see where it's funny. Like, dude, okay. Um, there were fucking things where, let's see. I mean, she had bits where, <laughs> it's actually something that it made me think of. I don't know if you're old enough, but you remember Destiny's Child? Yeah, I'm from fucking Houston, man. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Oh, so yeah. do you One remember of my friends went to high school with Beyonce at a performing arts high school. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot this connection. Okay. So as a Southerner, sort of myself from Miami, Destiny's Child was like a big thing. But do you remember that they had like kind of two back-to-back hits? They were extremely contradictory. One was Bills, Bills, Bills. That was like, I don't want no man that can't pay my bills. Yeah. <laughs> right? You remember that one? Yeah. And then the next one was Independent Woman. That was like, I pay for all my own shit. I don't need a man for anything. <laughs> and so then it was like this very, just like obvious contradiction of a point in feminism that was happening in the 90s where it was like, we were confused. We didn't know where to draw the line between like we're figuring out uh, if we deserve respect and the best of men, then it should be a man who provides everything. But also if we are independent, self-realized women, we don't need a man for anything, but we don't know how to parse both of these things out yet. Yeah. Right. And I really do think that this is fucking where Ali's comedy is and where all the people that enjoy it <laughs> are. They're like uh, at a point, you know, so, okay. Let me not go into judgments further than I already have and just tell you this. So the whole fucking special, Jake, is about the fact that she admits up top. uh, I think I wrote it down. What was her first fucking statement? It was kind of funny. She admits right at at the top that like she's really pissed. She's really jealous at the fact that male comics who get famous get to fuck models and women comics who get famous like nobody wants comedy dick, right? (laughs) And it's true. And there's like, and it is funny. And it's a funny bit about how like 
it's super fucking creepy if you're like, I've been watching you and listening to you and you're so funny and I've been thinking about <laughs> fucking you. <laughs> Whereas like a woman being like, ha ha ha, you're so funny. I got kind of wet listening to you. You want to fucking yeah. go upstairs? You guys are like, hell yeah, that doesn't sound like I'm going to get murdered or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's funny the this yeah. dichotomy that she points to, but she just like vacillates between pointing out actual discrepancies and then like playing off of them to I guess like reify them you know what I mean and to me this isn't a sign of her being a bad person or anything it's a sign of her fucking she figured out how to get you you know what I mean or just to sometimes throw at you I'm such an independent woman that I regret that I forced my husband to marry me and have babies because I wish that I was out there fucking other people but then also, just kidding, by the end, I'm going to tell you he's the most handsome Harvard graduated man and I can't get better than him. And he he gives me permission. Check that out. He gives me permission to be who I am. Uh, what the fuck? Yo, I guarantee you nobody in my life has to give me permission to do anything, Jake. Not a single fucking thing. I think that like there's something about the like living like working within the fucking contradiction that she just described you just described yeah. her describing or whatever that people see as like wisdom but it's like actually very brain damaged and it's like because we live in America yeah. we have no class consciousness and stuff like that we just sort of have to like work our way around these contradictions I mean it's literally fucking Hegelian contradictions and like this kind of reminded me of like with that Destiny's Child thing this the same contradiction you see with like rappers all the time where like their first yeah. album is like I'm from the streets and like you know we're all suffering down here and fucking every life is fucking mean as shit and then like they'll blow up and then like their second or third album or whatever is like like, you know, stop calling me and asking me for money and stuff like this. Or like, you know, it's it's like celebrating capitalism in all these yeah. ways and like, oh, I'm so fucking rich. But like, I mean, there's a, a Houston rapper I like a lot named Max O'Cream who's like from my old neighborhood and shit. Yeah. And I mean, I listen to all his shit and like literally like one of his one of his newest things is just like this, you know, this this fucking sad minor key rap about like, oh, I'm rich and now everybody wants money from me. And it's like. But the first album, you were talking about being poor. Like, do you not see, like, (laughs) if you don't have fucking, you know, if you don't have, like, material analysis, if you're not coming at this with fucking theory and Marxism and shit, you're just going to, like, the conclusion you're going to come to is, I guess that's, isn't it just funny the way these contradictions exist? And when, like, comedians like Ali Wong do that thing for whatever reason that's so popular in comedy where like the idea of a comedian is like oh i'm like um my role in society is to comment on a a system that is fucking flawed like you know patriarchy and monogamy and stuff like that they don't see it that way they see it as just normal because you're within realism but like they eventually will talk themselves in a circle, you know, open a, open a set, making fun of their partner, go, don't, doesn't everyone hate it? Can't you, you yeah. know, relate to this thing I hate and then come back around and go, but it's actually all good at the end of the day. It's, it's the honeymooners or whatever. We yell at each other. And then as long as this is resolved with a, you know, a thing where I, I go, but don't worry, don't get too scared. I, I think the system is good or whatever. Then, uh, everyone claps cause they've just went on like a mental journey almost to the point 
of breaking the dialectical thing open and like, like exposing the system that's bad. But I think most artists are just cowards. They don't do that. I mean, sometimes you have like yeah. a Carlin who's like, I'm going to break down this thing and we're not going to, you know, just sweep it away and pretend like it's fine. But, you know, most people, I think, yeah, they're just going to land in this fucking territory. And it's crazy because it can be funny while they're doing it. <laughs> you know? I know. Totally. She This special has a lot of funny bits in it. Um, I mean, there's like a, one thing where <laughs> it's I mean, but this is more like symbolic of the thing that I was telling you where she's like uh, she justifies like the fact because she had previous specials where they are about the fact that she pressured her husband to like shit or get off the pot. Right. Or whatever. Uh-huh. And so like to marry her, uh, which there is no euphemism for pressuring somebody to marry you that doesn't make women sound disgusting. <laughs> Shitter, get off the pot, buy the cow instead of getting the milk. For free. Like, it's so disgusting. I don't understand why women are signing up to this. I just don't get it. And well, actually, that's not true. The only reason that I can understand it, Jake, and like, let's get frankly communist about it, dude. The only reason I can understand it is financial security. Right. Yeah. And there is a moment in the special where Ali says that she... Oh, okay. So the funny bit is that she says that her husband bought low with her, right? Like stocks. So she's comparing herself to a stock. Yeah. So he bought low because he bought when she had acne and when she was 20 pounds heavier and she had no money and in her comedy career didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere. And he bought in. And so then she like makes a joke about the fact that she can't divorce him now because it would mean he would get to sell high, right? Yeah. Because he would get you know, they live in California, he would get part of her money. It would mean he would profit <laughs> from this marriage. Yeah. And it's so it's like up, a funny, it's, you know, it's funny, funny joke. Yeah. But it's a funny bit. Right. But she says at some point, she's like, when she's explaining why she pressured him into marrying her, she says, um, I believe that I had to trap this dude from uh, this dude who graduated from Harvard business school so that I don't end up homeless. Right. And I understand that that's a joke. But I need you to understand that it is not a joke for a lot of women across the world, <laughs> like including in America. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I mentioned it to you with the Kristen Goddessy thing. Like, it is a proven documented fact that if women, if we were not tied, if our survival and our um, financial liberation was not tied to men, we would have a whole different standard of how we would accept men to be partners in our life. And it just makes me sad to see somebody like joking about this, like desperation for survival that makes you tie yourself to a person very early on before you even had options. I don't know. So she says like, but now I realize I can make it on my own and I just want to be on my own. Right. So then it goes on, like the special goes on for a few where she's like talking about the fact that like, she has a bigger world than her mother because she doesn't just like know the people in her neighborhood. She's met the entire cast of the Avengers. She wants all these people to come on her face. You know, she just like goes off all about, she wants to fuck everyone she's met. And there are jokes at her husband's expense. You know what I mean? And to me, I'm kind of troubled by this. Tell me what you think about this, because to me, when I see a man doing jokes that are like about his ball and chain and about how he's fucking trapped, and his wife is someone he has to lie to so he can hang out with the boys. I'm like, you're a fucking sad loser. <laughs> I don't think this is funny. You're a sad fucking loser. And your wife is not the fucking dumb bitch. You are a sad loser. And so to me, watching her say shit like that, I'm like, 
this makes you seem like a sad loser. Yeah. <laughs> like you saying I am trapped with this person that I don't find attractive, or like, I don't know, like him being the butt of the joke. You know what I mean? Jake, I wouldn't like it. I love com- comedy and comedians. I would not like it if my partner had genuine, I guess, like a genuine like reason yeah and motivation to make jokes where i am the butt of them and i am referenced as somebody who holds them back or makes them unhappy or any of that that is not okay to me that is not funny fucking psychotic and weird (laughs) like i've i've known couples like that who are like comics or or one of them's a comic and it's like i think that they present this thing as like they think that they're making light of it, but it's like, no, you're just exposing like a really bizarre thing Gross. about yourself. Totally. <laughs> like you don't but have the fact to that do. so many, so many couples, I guess identify with it. That's what I mean. When again, when I say she's figured out how to get him. Yeah. Is admitting these horrible things that are actually fucking toxic traits of your relationships. But then what she's doing is like normalizing them on stage. Yeah. And I'm not putting it just on her because it's not just her. It's rom-coms. It's like a bunch of shit. And also, actually, she also writes and directs and stars in rom-coms. So I guess it's also very much Ali. But it it is multiple things in media and in culture that lead us to this path. Uh-huh. But it it's almost like, okay, when we talk about the alt-right shit with white boys and whatever in comedy where they want to equate the idea of like, if you have a lot of subscribers and you have a lot of people following you and giving you money, then it means you must be funny and you must be good at this. Yeah. I think that's the same thing happening sometimes on the woman's side of comedy where, because women are like, Oh my God, I relate. Oh my God. I identify. Oh my God. I've done that same mistake. Then it becomes a thing to like laugh at, but not to actually fucking think about and not repeat, (laughs) you know? And it just, is like pandering how is that not pandering artistic cowardice like this kind of reminds me of like um i was just thinking about something when you were describing this when i was like uh i've always been the way i am when i was like in high school and like a teenager and i couldn't go to bars yet and stuff like that i remember being like god i can't fucking wait to get out of high school it's fucking bullshit yeah i hate living with my parents um and i remember going to bars for the first time on like sixth street on austin or whatever and the thing that blew my mind the most was like there are bars that have dress codes and i was like why like we're adults like we just got rid of all the rules like why would you go to a place where you enjoy like having more rules imposed on you like oh you can't wear a certain type of shoe or whatever here but i noticed people like liked it and they were like liked like reifying it or whatever and i just immediately like it always kind of like it's still there this is the comfort that people are getting out of this like weird reifying of the thing that we're all afraid to fucking challenge or whatever and like uh, i also I was just thinking right now when you were talking about that about um the gotham thing right so like she understands how to play to her audience but there's this eternal question when you're performing right who's in charge you are the audience and i think with mm-hmm. her the fucking audience is in charge and i figured out like in this you know week of shows how to do what I do in a way that like coaxes Eve Six's audience into my world. And yeah. I'm doing stuff like last night I was in fucking Louisville, you know, and I was like, man, the leftist stuff is going to be pretty weird with these people. But if you word it a certain way, if you talk about like unions and shit like that, yeah. people love unions down here. <laughs> they might think they hate communism, but they love unions. and They don't understand. That's a huge fucking contradiction. And uh, also the guy from Eve Six, I just want to shout out and say, that like I've been talking to him a lot about um, you know just like artistic integrity and stuff like that and like you know he 
he he keeps telling the story on stage every night where he's like you know when you have a band like this the executives sort of pressure you to like do a package tour with you know Everclear and fucking uh, Third Eye Blind or whatever and he makes a point of going uh yeah you know but like we're doing what we want to do and uh so i decided to do a tour with a gay ska band and a comedian that a lot of people hate and (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because i expected the audience at these shows to be like kind of the twitter irony people and it's not there are a bunch of sincere alternative rock fans that are like a little bit older like elder millennials and stuff and so i figured out how to how to how to play to them and it's working, but I really appreciate that Max both booked this way and like doesn't stop tweeting communist shit and stuff like that because <laughs> totally. he's in charge of the fucking show and he keeps saying like if like you know people will email him and do like you know I'm fucking I loved Eve Six for my whole life but I, I'm a Republican and I can't fucking deal with this and he goes like goodbye forever you know <laughs> and like <laughs> that is what you should be doing if you are a fucking artist if you make shit is use the totally. connection between you and the audience to pull in the in your direction not to fucking like pander in their direction just because it's going to make you a lot of money and shit you're so fucking right jake actually you just crystallized for me why i guess she in general gets under my skin and you know for anybody who's like "Ah, why are you being hard on a woman whatever most of the time we talk about men who are shitty comics men comics so like shut the fuck up this is equality um (laughs) so uh you know, I just want to say, like, uh, you really crystallized it for me because I think that's the problem is because this special is good. I recommend that you watch it. There are so many points where she gets so close, Jake, to, like, really breaking a boundary for her audience. Mm-hmm. But then she pulls back and gives them what they want of, like, being like, Haha, just kidding, we're all normal and it's fine. You what? know what I mean? But there are, are like, literal moments. There's one, uh, she has a bit up top pretty much up top where she talks about the fact that uh no men have ever come on the face of a millionaire woman who's respected and adored by people like most men haven't (laughs) which is fucking hilarious like i don't know if i phrased that correctly but it's like uh you like she makes fun of the fact that most men who are coming on women's faces are not coming on the like she's i think she says something like uh, yeah, have you ever come on the face of a woman who makes more money than you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's fucking so hilarious because then she goes into this whole bit where it's like, uh, yeah, she can fucking uh, run her industry and get respected and get fucking articles written about her. You don't think she knows how to suck a dick? <laughs> like fucking amazing. So then yeah, she yeah. goes into another bit about like how uh, young men are so scared of powerful and respected women. And it's because they're always like, oh, well, we really want a chill woman, right? Like, I just really want like a chill woman that knows how to hang and whatever. And then she's like, but I would never want a chill man. I've never wanted a chill man in my life. You know why chill doesn't pay the bills? And they're like, oh no. (laughs) So every time she follows up this thing that is like radical and like pushing people towards like, yeah, think about this. Like she talks about how it's not just about equal pay, but equal pleasure. You know, like women shouldn't be faking orgasms, like all this shit that is good. And we should be fucking pushing women and men to think about and people of all genders to think about. And then she pulls it back as soon as it gets too fucking dicey for them, I guess. You know, the, um, she does the buy low and sell high one is good. 
Um, and then she does like a whole bit about the fact that her husband is living the life that she wished she could live because she makes more money than him. So she bought, he's living in the house that she bought. He's telling time on the Rolex she gave him for Father's Day. He's <laughs> and I just like saying everything. Oh, he jerks off to the porn uh, that comes through the high streaming internet that she pays for every month. <laughs> you know, and then she's yeah. like, uh, wait, what's the fucking thing? Oh, and then she's like, and then when we fuck, he doesn't even choke me as hard anymore because there's a lot more attached to my life now. Like he's like, oh, I don't want you to die. I want a PS5. <laughs> and so there is uh, so many ways where she gets very close to really dissecting these fucked up ways that our sexual dynamics are attached to power dynamics and the way that power dynamics are involved in our interpersonal relationships and marriage and all these other things. And as soon as she pushes them to an uncomfortable spot, she just fucking goes back immediately to the easy joke. Yeah. Of being like, just kidding, or it's all fine. That, like, getting right up to it and then backing off thing, I think you yeah. could look at a few different ways. Like, I kind of been thinking about uh, this thing Lennon wrote about in What Is To Be Done, where he talked about, like, the question of whether to, uh, you know, to pander to, like, the working class and try to get, like, the peasants and stuff in Russia yeah. to, like, do the revolution by, like, propagating towards them or propagandizing. Um, or... Like, so he called it tailing. He called pandering, like, you're tailing behind them yeah. and waiting for you're them. Wagging the dog. Right. right. And what yeah. you need to be doing is leading these people. Yeah. And because mm -hmm. it's, it's good. It's good. Like, when yeah. you're in the crowd and you get led, you often, that's a good experience for, like, when yeah. you're like, oh, I learned something from this fucking cool guy that came and, like, fucking explained shit, you know? Because he had resources and he had a lot of time to write and stuff like that. So, like, that's, I think what makes Lenin really cool is he attacks this tendency of liberals. And I think it's really, clever and deceitful the way liberals tend to because i bet if you asked ali wong about this i bet she would respond and a lot of lib comics respond this way where they say oh well what i'm doing by teasing it in that direction is see Pushing left. if i <laughs> yeah. if i was to come out and contradict these people too hard and like oppose them it would be too polarizing and they would i would lose yeah. them so i'm doing like a snake charmer thing where i'm getting them to think about these ideas but it's bullshit it doesn't work and it's your first of all you're lying you're just rationalizing the fact that you're making more money doing it this way but also like that doesn't ultimately like lead people to kind of think about things differently you know well this leads me to that article thing because i think what it does what ali's type of comedy special does is um kind of give these like traditional liberals the ability to say things like i am a radical monogamist because they listen to a stand-up comedian sort of poke fun a little bit at what it's like to be married and have children and sort of kind of regret your decision and whatever yeah and they consider that to be like a well-examined reason that they are now monogamous. Yeah. But if you read any of these articles, regardless of where they came from, the reason that radical monogamy is debunked, in my opinion, is not because there aren't people out there who are practicing radical monogamy. It's because most of you are not. You absolutely are not. Okay. You cannot be practic practicing something radically if you never practiced anything else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if all you ever did was practice the thing you were taught, there is absolutely <laughs> nothing radical about that. Yeah. Period. Every person in the articles that I read that was quoted about this, they did spend years being polyamorous, being bisexual, being in the kink community, like having different types of relationships. And then they found solace and happiness in later years. Ahem with a single partner 
And then I have all these fucking morons who are like 34 with the first serious relationship in their life being like, see, that's me. I'm doing radical monogamy. <laughs> are you? Are you though? Yeah. I mean, did the, you ever do anything other than really, really hope to be monogamous? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in theory, someone could do radical monogamy as their first attempt at a relationship if they had thought it out. But the problem is yeah. the difference between, I think what I would call radical monogamy and like tra trad patriarchal bullshit is like um, whether you are electing to do this thing because you have thought it through and examined it, like all of what it is and decided that it's what you want versus are you doing it because you're a coward and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're like, okay, so would it. you agree with the statement that both Beyonce and Ali Wong are doing it because they're cowards and they're doing what they're supposed to do? Yes, I think because, they're rationalizing it. Right, exactly. Yeah. They're rationalizing it and they are reifying it for other people in a way where they're like, if I fucking reaffirm it for everyone else, then it makes it more okay that I did it. When this like, yo, I will never forget Ali Wong saying but uh, now I know I could have made it on my own. I will I will go to my grave remembering her face saying those <laughs> words, Jake, because my whole life has been proving to my elders, to the men in my life, to the women in, in my life, I can make it on my own. And that's not just because I'm special or whatever. It's because I believe we can all make it on our own, regardless of your gender. Let's push forward to be this different thing and I understand where the fear comes. And especially if you want to have kids and what the fuck, but it's like, why do you have to, A, build a fake narrative around a transactional thing that you want in your relationship, which is to be able to raise livestock, right? <laughs> your child. <laughs> yeah. Then, And then on top of that, not only to classify your behavior and your choice as normal but to also go so far as to classify anyone who chooses something different as abnormal or lying to themselves and others yo that is so hateful yeah and mean it's and shitty it's also like psychological because it's like no you're the yeah. one who's lying to yourself <laughs> that yeah, person dude. is being honest about something that they fucking figured out you know and that it's really hard to be honest about yeah it's not fucking easy to say you're to your family, I don't know, maybe as a man it is, but as a woman, it's not easy to say your, to your family, I'm not going to have children. It's not easy to say to your partner, that's not on the table. It's not, not easy, easy as to a say Mexican to every stranger that asks you, like, oh, do you have kids? And you have to be like, nah, bro, <laughs> not interested. Yeah, I mean, it's also not fucking life. easy to say that as a Latino to your family yeah, a lot of the exactly. times because there's all that Catholic trad shit in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, too. So I don't know. I guess I just don't think they're doing us as many favors as it seems that they seem to think that they are. And I am I, I'm not saying it's not funny, but I guess I just want to shine a light on the fact that so much of comedy is about appealing. It is about pandering, I think. Yeah. And I think you're right that what makes great comedy is that you take your audience to the line of like you're pushing them too far and then you still push them too far and they still love you as opposed to you push them up to the line, but then you're too scared to push them farther than that. Yeah. So you bring it back and you pander to them. And I understand that the second thing is going to make you a, a successful comic, but it's not something I respect, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I want to say. I really I think like capitalism is what 
conv- yeah. that causes that that like liminal thing to happen and those people to um to be able to rationalize to themselves and tell themselves the story that like this is the better way of doing it and it's simply just yeah. because it fits into the system more and it tends to make that person money and like you know i mean it's easy to tell yourself stories when you're getting something out of a situation, you know, like we saw in that Bill Cosby fucking documentary, all those people that were like, Oh, how did I not see it? Well, it's because you were fucking telling yourself a story because you were making a lot of money off that dude, you know? So reality is highly subjective. It's why it's important to, to talk this stuff out with each other and stuff because, um, you know, because you can lie to yourself and I just, I think the liberal thing where pushing it all the way up and then giving it back that's a thing those people are lying to themselves about. Like people tell me all the time, Oh, you know, I would be an overt person like you, but what I'm doing with my career is I'm going to get in the system and then I'm going to start mm-hmm. writing about It's like, you know, you're not <laughs> like you're talking like a politician. They never do that. Joe Biden said that his whole fucking career. Like he's a president now. Yeah. He sucks. You know, he's no-, no longer you do it, the more you're entrenched into needing it financially and to live and as part of your identity so yeah it's like, guess what living an entire life by doing that is hella reifying that system <laughs> like yeah you know you think you're gonna want write one episode of a sitcom at some point that has some radical ideas in it and that's gonna fucking change things no the way you lived your life fucking affected shit way more like the shit you do with your career you know yeah i agree i agree and i don't know if i want to uh <laughs> Fuck it, let's do it. I'm going to open the door for this one. But uh, something that Ali touched on, uh, I want to say more than once on her special was like, uh, she made jokes about basically liking like violent sex that kind of borders on like humiliating, disrespectful kind of stuff, you know? And there's no judgment here because we've all engaged, right? But um, it kind of got me thinking about the fact that I think that people who fetishize humiliation and disrespect in sex, it's only because in their actual sex and romantic lives, they have fetishized respectability and it's kept them from actually enjoying themselves sexually. I disagree, but I also am out of, like, I should wrap up the podcast pretty soon. (laughs) You're out of time. You're like, I disagree, but we'll get back to this later. Yeah, we can can talk about it later. Let's do some plugs. I kind of, I think it'll be a whole podcast all on its own. Um, We'll do it. Put a pin in it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I should get out of here because I got to give the hotel back to the homies. Um, Well, plugs, I guess, if you're in a part of the country that the Eve 6 tour is coming to. Come see us. We're still on tour until like the middle to end of May. Uh, there's a lot of fucking tour going on. Listen to my other podcast, Pod Damn America, and you know all the stuff. I think that's all I've got to plug. Oh, and come to Meet Space, my show in um, New York. Our friends of ours are hosting it and stuff while I'm gone. Uh, I'll put Ooh. the ticket links in the bio and stuff. But please come hang out. I need to keep my show alive so I can come back to it and then continue doing it. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a few plugs since Jake has been ignoring me for Eve six. Um, <laughs> I had to go out there and get all my satisfaction, my podcast satisfaction from other people. So I recently did uh, Mishka Shibali's podcast. Go check that out. I did a leftist and chill uh, Twitch stream with Dan Simpson. That was really great. I also recommend you check that out. We talked a lot about comedy under capitalism I also did Radio Free Tote Bag, friends of the show. We love them. Uh, check it out. That was fun. 
And I am also co-hosting Hito Brett, which is the Patreon show for Street Fight for the next few weeks. So sign up for their Patreon if you want to hear that. And then if you want to watch some live stand-up comedy, Pizzazz with Gary Goldman. The next one is May 16th. Come check it out and add Babies All Right in Brooklyn. Shout out to Brett. He came to the show last night. And I got a really yeah, good video hi, of Brett. him dancing to the Heart in a Blender song. Was he tripping? I think I saw that he was tripping. <laughs> he might have been. I don't know. I love it. Yay, Brett. Cool. All right. I got to get out of here. Good to see you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, Lucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>